Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin, and I'm really glad that you're here with me working on this whole consistency thing. That's uh, a new thing for 2020. I think I really needed to get through the inauguration to have my my nerves chill the fuck out just a little bit so that I could like, I don't know, like regulate my heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyways, I'm super glad that you're here. Welcome back. Uh, or maybe this is your first time um, because I've had a lot of new followers pop in here recently. So hi, if you're new around here, welcome. Go ahead and binge every episode. They're all good. I love them. <laughs> um, but seriously, there's been a huge uh, surge, uptick, groundswell coming together of um, just people are finding and connecting here. And the, one of the coolest things I've seen recently is people connecting on Patreon. If you didn't know, Patreon is, for me, has been a way to support the show and all the other content that I've been making. But now I'm making content directly for people who are trying to change their spiritual practices, rediscover their spirituality outside of strictly Christian context. So if that resonates with you or you're interested, go over to patreon.com slash Garcia and learn how you can get plugged in so you can have start having, start having conversations like the one you're going to hear today with my friend, Joe Lumen. Joe Lumen is a activist, an online human. She's somebody who's been writing about decolonizing Christianity for a while, really tackling the, the problem of Christian hegemony, which is rather undeniable in the West. And whether you identify as a Christian or not, uh, or whether or not you believe in the messages of the Bible or Jesus or Christianity, you know, if you've been here um, in America, it's been a part of your life. But the problem is that most of what has been given to us and what we call Christianity has been colonized. And it's a colonized religion that has systematically been used to manipulate people and keep us controlled. Colonized Christianity is an arm of oppression in the world. And as such, it has been the source of serious trauma for both Christians and non-Christians alike. And Joe's work uh, is it's about creating safe spaces where people can explore how colonized faith has harmed every single one of us and the world. And uh, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. She's connecting with so many people. And on the podcast today, we talk about her journey, the things that she wants to share with folks. So if you uh, are into this, you're, like you should automatically just go follow her on Patreon and get him plugged in with her stuff. But anyways, this is my conversation with the fabulous Joe Luman. Well, I am a Colombian immigrant living in San Diego, being here for 14 years. Not in San Diego, but in the U.S. for 14 years. I lived in Las Vegas for two years, worked at a church there. Um, mm. And I am a pastor. Um, that's what I went to school for. That was, My master's was in theology and ministry. But and you're a woman. What? I know. Isn't that wild? Inside wild. Of the, uh, inside of the Nazarene um, church, which was, I mean, they are egalitarian for all intents and purposes, really. Uh, right. Even though they are really conservative in a lot of things, too. But, uh, but yeah, it's, that's, that's what I've been doing. And I've been working in, I mean, I worked with evangelical churches for 10 years until I just couldn't work inside of the evangelical church anymore. Um, so I left mm. and that's with it came everything, you know, my career, my relationships, um, my standing with everything and everybody, and, mm-hmm. but it's been good. So the last five years have been a lot of rebuilding and reimagining what my career looks like and what it is like to do theology and talk about mm. God outside of the evangelical church um, yeah. and lose whatever we have to lose to be able to not betray ourselves, basically. Oh, that's the, that's the, that's it, everyone. Thanks for coming to the talk. That's it. <laughs> be yeah. willing to lose anything we have to. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think that people are so unwilling to lose their, lose their shit, if you will? Oh, I think it's trauma, right? <clears throat> we want to belong so badly um, mm-hmm. And if being true to ourselves means that we lose belonging to others, then we're not willing to lose that. Not realizing that if we don't belong to ourselves first, we don't belong anywhere either. It's, huh. the, it's the image of who they created us to be that belongs. But our true selves doesn't really belong if we cannot be who we are mm-hmm. and not betray ourselves to be able to be in spaces and be, you know, and people celebrate us. I don't, I, 
I was in spaces where I was tolerated and where uh, yes. this of me was tolerated for too long. And so now mm. I only want to be in spaces where I'm celebrated. That's it. Yeah. And lower the <clears throat> bar anymore. Yeah, because the bar is in hell, you know? Absolutely. That's exactly <laughs> where it is. Yeah. The bar. And that's what's so crazy is like, I'm not, and like, uh, whenever I go home for Christmas, well, not recently, but I remember last Christmas, I intentionally did not go to like the church that my family goes to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, I went to an Episcopal church in town on Christmas because like, I wanted to go to do to, like, you know, high holy days still do it for me, you know? Yeah. And so I remember like, just very, like, it was just a switch in my mind of just like, I cannot go to my family's church because they're not, it's not affirming. Yeah. Like my cousin is a pastor at a non-affirming church. And I'm like, does nobody, does nobody see this? I know. I know. And it's, and they're just like, oh yeah, I like, I don't think I'm going to come. And they're just like, okay. I'm like, you know, you right. know, you're doing wrong. Don't you? Hmm. Right. Or maybe they don't, maybe they're just like, oh yeah, Kevin's a heathen now. So whatever. <laughs> Could be that. Don't do, do whatever you want. Um, no. They, they do know. Actually, I think that most people do know. We just convince ourselves that we don't know so that we can excuse our behavior. So we can Hello, somebody. We are, so that we can excuse we're complicit, you know? And the reason I can say that is because I was in it and I knew. I knew. Yes. I completely knew. I was working inside of churches that were non-affirming. I was working inside of churches that were toxic and abusive and were abusing people and were using me to abuse people. We're tokenizing the fact that I am an immigrant, that I am a brown woman. Uh, and I was allowing it, and I knew mm-hmm. it. It didn't feel right, you know. What I call the the wisdom within, the divine mm-hmm. within, the um, Sophia, whatever you want to call her. Yeah, she was telling me all the time, like this isn't right. But I, I wanted so deeply to belong, and I was mm-hmm. so afraid of not belonging anymore. And my trauma was greater than my desire to be true to myself. Mm-hmm. So I let you know, unhealed people are going to cope by betraying themselves and belonging in spaces that are abusive. Yeah. And that's, I was actually, <clears throat> I was just, uh, I'm writing a script right now for a video that's called what ex gay therapy was not like, mm-hmm. because a lot of times uh, it is uh, ex gay therapy or like ex gay ideology isn't like overt or like boom or like vehemently violent you know, physically violent or outwardly violent towards queer people. Mm-hmm. It's sneakier than that in a way that like, they gaslight you into thinking that it's your idea, you know? And of course, like if you believe a certain worldview, you know, and that like heaven and hell depends on my decision here, then of course, like I'm gonna do something else, Yeah. you know? And it's really, I think it's uh, that fear that's like, <clears throat> it's the fear of like, if I don't belong, then not only do I not belong to the church, but I don't belong in this world and I'm not going to belong to heaven either. Exactly. And it's that it's serious. And so like, God. yeah, you know, it's belonging to divinity. And if you don't belong to divinity, then where, where, if the all knowing, all loving power, you don't believe you don't belong there. Then where, where could you? Yeah. Belong? Yeah. I mean like the God, it's a, uh, it's like how do it so what was the thing like what was the what was the the straw that broke the camel's back for you so to speak that was like all right i'm done with this shit i mean there were a lot of things but really it was just the amount of abuse that we were under um Mm -hmm. i was suicidal and i didn't want to be there anymore and i was being told that if i wasn't there then god was disappointed in me so i stayed time and time and time again yeah they do that yeah yeah and in the meantime, I kept going to staff meetings and I kept going to work and being absolutely miserable and realizing everything that we're doing here makes no difference in people's lives. We are not changing anything in this city. If anything, we are abusing people and harming people. And at the time, the church was starting a new campus um, north, like 20 minutes north. No, we had already started the new campus. They were starting a new service in the new campus and starting mm-hmm. the new campus already. People were exhausted. We were exhausted. Everybody was struggling. So we called for a meeting. Um, and we said, listen, everybody's exhausted. If anything, we should close the new campus instead of having a new service. Cause this is not, this is not working out. It's not sustainable. Uh, no. And people are, we are, people are not well. Shouldn't we care for people? I, I don't know. I thought that's what we were into here. Um, so they, 
they said the problem is you. You being tired doesn't mean everybody's tired. And I'm like, no, I meet with people. That's my actual fucking job. I meet with people every day, all the time. They are all tired. And I am tired of coercing them to come and help do things that they don't want to do. Um, so they, they insisted, like, no, the problem is you and you just need uh, a vacation. So I said, well, I'd love a vacation, but I don't have money for a vacation. You don't pay me enough to even have insurance. So come on, somebody, you don't pay me enough to have goddamn insurance. Right. So how could I have a vacation? Do please enlighten me. How do I get a vacation if I don't have enough money for, you know, anything? Um, so they started saying like, well, the problem is clearly you, you have a bitterness problem and an anger problem. And, and I was angry. They were absolutely right. So I left. I just, you know, my husband and I were like, this is just ridiculous. Like this is not, oh, they changed our jobs descriptions. So my job was to teach. I was a teacher. I taught mm. doctrine classes and um, Old Testament and New Testament survey classes. Mm-hmm. And I loved teaching everything. But obviously my teaching was a little bit unorthodox. And so they took my job away and they asked me to be the marketing pastor, which it's, it doesn't even compute in my head. It's like, just like, I don't know anything about marketing. I'm right. a pastor. I'm not a marketer. That, right. Neither do I think that the church should be marketing themselves, you know, like, what are we marketing here? Um, shouldn't we just care for the community? And then, you know, we're doing our job. Like we don't need to market anything. So these, yeah, like, there's students, nothing to market here. Right. Like, well, what am I marketing? Jesus? Like what, 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 what do I, what am I selling? Tell me what you want me to sell. Um, so we just said, we're done. We can't do this. So we quit. That was the reason we quit. And then mm-hmm. we just kept attending churches and a church wanted to hire us and, we just kept asking the same questions, you know, like, are you affirming? No. Do you care about this? No. Are you go? Uh, if your church disappeared, you know, like, do you do any social justice work? Yes, of course. We, we sent, um, we sent those boxes, the shoe boxes during Christmas. Oh yeah. The Samaritan's <laughs> purse, like the big yes. old, the, the scam of scams every yes. year. And I was like, that's, that's what you do. That's your social justice engagement in the world right now. When Tijuana is 20 minutes away from, your church building my my like i can't so we real i realized more mostly that i just perhaps i just don't want to be in these spaces anymore like they just don't Mm -hmm. work for me and this is not the work of divinity this is not the work of moving toward heaven on earth for me and maybe it is for them and you know do your thing and i will continue to hold you accountable but it's not the work i want to do i don't want to be associated with this anymore um mm-hmm. like i just don't i don't want to be at the table that was the thing you know they kept saying like there's room at the table and i was like i don't want to be at this table we should be flipping them flipping them all and you yes. can room at the <clears throat> table kind of room at the table because there was room at the table for me to clean basically oh uh, come on um, but what I, what, what I need to be doing is flipping the table so mm. there is no room for me here because you won't let me flip the table yeah and the thing is just like you know if we flip the table like and for good reason it's because just like the reason anybody's flipping a table is because we've come to the end of our rope. We've come to the end of like, this is not, uh, this is not a surprise. This is a logical conclusion after years and time and time of being abused and abused and abused, which is why like when queer people or progressive people, when we leave these spaces in general, there's so much anger that's, that, that pushes us out. And like, you know, we're left with this bitterness of just like, oh my God. And it's one of those things where like, for me, it's like the anger of like, God, I wasted so much time there. And B, it's like, what do I have to show for it? I know that that was hard. And it was hard for me to walk away. Because see, my, mm-hmm. my entire resume in the US was churches that if you call them today, they'll have nothing good to say about me. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So where do I where do you go from there with a resume that has all of my personal contacts with people from church that didn't have anything good to say about me either? because I left. So I'm sitting here in a country that is not my own with all the relationships gone and a resume that is non-existent now. And I am in my thirties with three children. Like Mm. where, how do you even begin? And how dare you tell me I don't get to be angry? You know, I spent 10 years building your businesses and I have nothing to show for it. And I left behind when I start asking questions that should be asked. And when I start holding you accountable to things that you should be held accountable to. So I had to reimagine a new career and have no idea. I like, I, I didn't know if it was going to work out. 
you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I'll do Uber. We were doing Uber. My husband and I were doing Uber. Listen, uh, ain't no home. shame in paying your bills. That's what my mama always told me. No, how, whatever we need to do. So we were doing Uber and then reimagining what it meant to, you know, move toward heaven and create spaces where we are safe and we're talking about the divine and we're talking about, mm. you know, wholeness and healing and spirituality, but it's, it's, they are safe spaces. And yes. Yeah. And so that's what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I started to do. Um, and that became, it's now my job and I, it's mm-hmm. a job that I actually love. People think that I hate my job because I get so much pushback and I get so much hatred and anger from evangelicals mostly. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't hate it because I don't do it for evangelicals. I do it for exactly. the rest of Exactly. <laughs> so I, I know. It's like. Feel about it. Yeah. It's like, that's the thing. It's like, people will ask like, how do I get over caring what other people think about it? It's just like, you have to realize that they are wrong. Right. Yeah. Why, why do you give a fuck? Right. It's like, if you, I mean, it's fine if you do, but just like you're causing your own suffering. Like, and, and it's one of those things where just like someone told me, just like, this is something I've heard from a few people recently. It's just like, what do I do? Like these people said that they would die, like they would die for me. I love them. They would die for me. And I'm like, do you need them to die for you? Yeah. I'm like, they, you don't need that. You need them to love and accept you because what good is them dying for you if they still don't love you? If they won't live like, with you, they won't live with you, but they want to yeah. die for you. And, and that you, makes no fucking sense. No. Like, no. why would you want that? Like, I don't need you to die for me. I need you to be kind to me. Right. Right. I need you to and include me. I need you to like, actually like, I need you to flip a fucking table when I'm not there to do it. 100%. So you can go ahead and if nobody's going to really die for you, by the way, that's hypothetical speak. Like speech is hypothetical. Say it. Say it. About themselves. But I don't need you to die for me. I need you to do life with me. I need you to live with me here and now. Mm. Listen to me. I need you to lean in when I'm speaking. And I need you to be willing to say, I hear you. I'm here for you. I'll stand with you. And I will not tolerate anybody abusing you, even if it costs me my own privilege. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to say that, don't tell me you're going to die for me. You just want to feel better. It's just virtue. It's like a type of virtue signaling that is mm-hmm. bullshit. Yes, it's a virtue signaling that is bullshit. That is 100% it. And that and like that's like what's so and like we uh, we're not conditioned to see that as abuse, but it's absolutely abuse. And that and everyone's like, "Oh no, 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 no. I wasn't spiritually abused." I'm like, "No, no, no, no." I know. Yes, you were. And that's like, we're so like afraid to call trauma, trauma. We're afraid to call abuse, abuse. And so many of us are sitting here on the other side of it. Like, oh my God, I went through that. And it's like, yeah, you did. And once you realize that it like, it's like starts to shake some things, but just like, let it shake, cry it out. And then recognize that that's not the end of the story. Right. And that's because we have to be able to separate um, you know, to be able to not dehumanize our abusers, because we think mm. that if we call abuse, abuse, and if we call trauma, trauma, then we have to dehumanize and call them monsters. And that's not true. Exactly. traumatized people that were yes. acting up on their trauma. That doesn't mean I'm excusing their behavior or I will tolerate it ever again. It doesn't mean I won't hold them accountable anymore, but it does mean that I get to call it what it is. Because I hear mm-hmm. that all the time too. I mean, I wasn't abused. But they did tell me that I couldn't have sex before marriage. And they did tell me that I would go to hell if I. And they did tell me that I was a sinner. And they did. And I'm like, you're literally describing abuse. That's a, that's a spiritual manipulation. That's a spiritual abuse. So you may not want to call it that. And they may not have intended to abuse you. But any loss of safety, the moment that you lose safety and the moment that you lose your belonging to yourself and your belonging to divinity, we're talking about yeah. spiritual abuse. Mm. it's okay to call it that nobody's demonizing the abusers we're just saying can we collectively question this theology that doesn't serve us it doesn't serve anybody nobody can we say it again for the people in the back how is it serving us my god it doesn't serve anybody (sighs) it doesn't it really doesn't and what's so wild too is like you know, the white folks who are the most resistant to like these different changes. And I, I name white folks only because it's my family. It's the family I come from. Mm-hmm. It's like the reason white folks are so resistant to uh, changing, uh, so resistant. It's like, because in the subconscious, 
both the collective subconscious and our personal subconscious. The longer an idea has lived in the subconscious, the harder it is to uproot, the harder it is to change, and the harder it is to install a new way of thinking because the ego's job is to help us survive and to move us away from pain. Right. Like we're not used to pain anymore. Yeah, and so we, it's because we, just like we're not willing to face like and also it's just like we think that we're supposed to feel guilty it's like here's the deal it's like your privilege is not your fault but what you do with it is your responsibility right. you are, and also your the things that happened to you was not your fault but your healing is still your responsibility unfortunately right. and the thing is the most painful thing has already happened to you right and you've I already survived that we have done a disservice to mm. people by uh, by allowing this teaching because it's it's Christian hegemony. This is this is completely teaching for it Christians. is it's Christian it's supremacy. Now, yeah, it is. But it's now so mainstream that we think it's secular teaching. Um, this idea that you don't lean into you know your emotions, that you don't lean into pain, that if you're feeling pain, you have to run away from it or, or pretend it's not there, or give or it to God, it something that, or give it to God, or, or call it something that it's not. You know, instead of saying like. Perhaps the pain is supposed to show you something. The pain is supposed to, mm -hmm. you know, like especially point to the things that have to change, point to the things that are not all right. So when I mm -hmm. when I hear verses like um, take every thought captive, I am not thinking about if I think about masturbation, I should stop thinking about that. That's not what we should like. That has nothing to do with that. It's. Mm -hmm. Why don't we make every subconscious thought conscious so that we can lean into every emotion? Come on, Carl Young. Yeah, we, we lean into pain and we lean into the anger and we lean into jealousy and we lean in and say, mm -hmm. what do you want to tell me about the ways in which I engage with the world, the lies that I have partnered with, the ways in which my brain is wired so that when I look at another person getting something, I feel jealous. Therefore, clearly, I have been wired with um, scarcity mentality. So it's not so much jealousy, mm. but it's that I have to heal from scarcity mentality. So why don't we instead acknowledge the thoughts and acknowledge the feelings and acknowledge the pain, lean into mm. them and heal from them. Like it's a lot yes. simpler than being like, I'm never jealous. Never. Oh ever. my God. That like, that's the thing. Ooh. Also like as one of my favorite sins, jealousy. <laughs> um, this is, I've told this story a few times and I love telling it. So I'm going to tell it again. So me and Matthias Roberts are really good Judy's. We go way back to like, right after I came out and, uh, there was a, like, we were both starting out. We were bloggers back when blogging was a thing. <laughs> and, um, one day it just hit me. I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm jealous of him. Like, I want to be like, he just seems like he has it all together. He seems so smart. He seems, and then I, I just texted him and I said, hey, I just want to let you know that sometimes I feel jealous of you and I don't want to do that. I want to be your cheerleader because I don't need to be jealous of you. And that's dumb. So I just want to let you know that I think you're great and I want to be like you. And so rather like when jealousy is really just like, the real, like the, the feeling behind jealousy is like, oh my God, I just want to be like them. And I think that I can't like the jealousy is just showing you what you could be like. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. There is rather there than is, rather than saying, "Oh my God, I'm so bad for." Blah, blah, blah. No, right. You're not no, bad. You had a feeling. You had a feeling, which is so valid. And the reality is that we live in a world of capitalism, and we live in a world of white supremacy. Therefore, the illusion of scarcity does exist. So yes. I do, I do recognize, like I, I turned in a book proposal and they were very, very interested in my book proposal. And I was very excited. And then they came back and they said, you know what, we would love to work with you. However, we have one book on the deconstruction conversation already. Uh, and it's written by his white man. And he was talking Oh about my gosh. Can I tell you the same fucking thing happened to me? I was going to write a book about this white straight cis guy writes this book and mine is about decolonizing faith not deconstruction but there are so many overlapping conversations so i'm like well there is the illusion of scarcity because if he has a book they won't book me because they can't have a book on the same topics over and over and i get it so recognizing that because at the end of it like at the end yeah, yeah because, of, because of the systems of oppression there is the illusion of scarcity and what we need is for privileged identities to get the spotlight off of them 
We need this just for like, like awful just men. for a minute, just, just for like two please. minutes. Yes. Yeah. I'm God, being just... And I recognize that in my own privileges, you will mm-hmm. not see me talking about body positivity all that much because mm-hmm. I have never weighed more than 120 pounds. And that was nine months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I recognize that I have to love my body and yes, body positivity, but I cannot leave the movement because I am the privileged identity. I am, mm-hmm. you know, and have, have I had to deal with all the images and all the things? Yes, because I'm a woman and we've been told mm-hmm. that our bodies are never okay, but I cannot leave the movement and I need to recognize that and I need to step out of the way, mm-hmm. you know, so where are, and so the scarcity is there. So the, the feeling jealous of him booking that is valid. I should mm-hmm. feel jealous. I, and and also it, it's, it's like, it's like jealousy and also like it's jealousy and a little bit of enragement because like, it should not be that way because it's so wild. I think even just from an ethical standpoint is like we look at the market right now and it is saturated with bullshit. And so if I were the head of some kind of uh, publishing house, I would think we have to pick up every single uh, by, by POC and every queer person we can and publish their stuff because we need to flood the market with something better. Right. And, and that's what's, and, but the problem is, is that a publishing house is a business and a business cares about one thing and that's their bottom line. Yeah. And so it's like, so when someone told me that it was like, oh my God, I can't take it personally. Like no, no, it's, no. no, but that's it's like, it's none of them, you know, like I have to turn down uh, opportunities where I am the privileged identity, I have to turn them down because the business is not going to do it. So I was thinking mm-hmm. about that in terms of what's sexy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we won't be conditioned to look for what's sexy. We go for what's sexy. So mm-hmm. when Dino Riso, I don't know if you know who Dino Riso is, but Dino Riso is a pastor, you know, and he's he's not sexy. Dino Riso is not sexy. So when Dino Riso comes out with moral impropriety or whatever it is that they call it, uh, the story doesn't like hit, you know, because it's he's not sexy. Mm-hmm. But Carl Lenz is sexy. Exactly. So ding, Carl ding, Lenz, ding, we ding. will put everywhere, and we will crucify him because he's sexy, because that story is sexy. And because he that- fell from, he was the angel who fell from grace. Exactly. We love it. Exactly. Um, but see, and who's going to hold Brian Houston accountable for creating the culture in which Carl Lenz was able to flourish as an abuser? That's not sexy either, right? So nope, we keep not moving the towards we keep moving towards what's sexy, not recognizing that in that process we are also leaving all of the voices of the most marginalized because they are the most unsexy inside of our system. Uh, mm-hmm. We are leaving the voices of them outside. We're not listening to them. So we're so concerned about what Carl did, and in the meantime, abuse will never stop at Hillsong because we are not talking because about because also. Exactly. We're not talking about the, it's like, it's not, Carl Lentz is literally the fruit of the tree. Exactly. We're not talking about the fucking tree. Yes. Or the plant or bush or like weird ivy gross thing. I'm sure it's actually, you know, the evangelical church is like the plant in Little Shop of Horrors. (laughs) You know, have you seen Little Shop of Horrors? Oh, you're Colombian. I'm I'm sorry. I know. Uh, I was about to tell you. Google. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to share my screen and I'm, we're going to I want your live reaction because this is important. <laughs> uh, little shot of horrors plant. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Images. Oh, my God. Yes, this is the evangelical church. OK, hold on. Let me share my screen with you. Share. Here he comes. You're introducing me into American. Okay, so Little Shop of Horrors is a musical, right? Uh-huh. And so like on stage, it looks like this. And so like they have to feed this, this plant just wants blood and it's like crazy and disgusting and eventually grows into this big crazy thing that just continues to demand more and more blood and you have to do it. Otherwise it's gonna eat you. Hmm. And so. You're yeah, absolutely right. That is an image of the evangelical church. So we want to talk about one that we've now fed to the plant and we don't want to talk Mm. about the plant at all. I'm just like, the problem is not the blood. It's the fact that there's a plant. Right. Like this, this monster of a weed has grown for so long. And it's like, and it's also just like, 
Like, you think that Carl Lentz is the only one doing this shit? Oh, gosh, no. That's the thing. It's like, it's happening on the micro and the macro. It's It's like the number of stories I hear from people who were abused by like the leader of the parking team. Right, right. Like it's on every level because like, they don't teach, it's it's because it's a hierarchy and it's not a circle. Right. And so long as we are having um, celebrity culture, you know, which which is so predominant inside of the evangelical church, and it doesn't have to be celebrity, card lens level celebrity, just the fact that we have hierarchies in you are closer to God, you have a closer access to God than me. Yes, 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 yes. Class and second class Christians here. So long as we have that, we're going to have abuse because what I am mm-hmm. demanding is you're going to have to go through me to get to divinity. So I will abuse you because my narcissism is going to demand that you go through me. You will not have access to God alone. And also, you're never going to get through me. Exactly. I'm always here. I'm always going to let you know that try again, try again. Yeah. And until you do what I want you to do. Oh, but hold on. Let me get a word. Like, and that's the thing is like, Oh, and like, especially within like these very big charismatic evangelical movements and like people like don't want to like, I feel like I lump like the Southern Baptists as much as like the like Pentecostal evangelicals, like they're all. Yeah, for sure. The theology is close enough that, you know. Yeah, the theo- the practices might look different, but the theology is way too close. Mm-hmm. Um, but these these entire places, me and, um, you know, Brenda Marie Davies, she does the God is Gray podcast. Oh, you know, um, but we were talking about the other day how like they were prophesying Donald Trump is going to get reelected. And so like there's entire sections of people who have been completely hijacked from reality. Yes. Yeah. And it's like it's not just it's not just on the micro level anymore. It's like this is becoming like an actual threat to like society. Yeah. And like I know I'm, I feel like I was like, if you're going to be that sounds really dramatic, Kevin. And I'm like. I mean, we didn't think that World War II was going to happen, but here we are. And I actually feel like we're not taking seriously enough because we're talking exactly. about conspiracy theories that are very harmful. And I mean, conspiracy theories and the Christian church are not strangers to one another. You know, we're Not a about, bit. Right. We're talking about the conspiracy theory in the 11th century was Muslim people don't have souls and they cannot be saved. Therefore, the only appropriate thing to do with Muslim people is to kill them. It's not considered homicide. They invented the word malicide. So you, it wasn't homicide. It wasn't a crime. It was malicide. It was ending evil in the world. And the conspiracy theory behind it is Muslim people cannot, cannot be saved because they don't have souls. That translated into Black people do not have souls. And indigenous people of, you know, the places that we're colonizing do not have souls in the 15th and 16th centuries. Yeah. And if they did have souls, they would convert. And if they, exactly. And when they started converting, the Catholic Church first changed their tune. Oh, no, never mind. They do have souls because they kind of are converting. But those who would not convert do not have souls. And they have to be, by law, they have to be. And we're talking about actual laws that were written by law. They are real humans. enslaved, Enslaved people to us because we are supposed to teach them the ways of God. This is all conspiracy theories. So we are not talking about innocent conspiracy theories when we're talking about what the evangelical belief of the end times and of dominion mm-hmm. theology of we have to be over every single aspect of society to expedite the end times. We're talking about oh my God, yes. that is going to affect a lot of people. So we need, and, and they mm-hmm. are so susceptible to believing conspiracy theories because we're talking about people that are desperate looking for the supernatural, even though the supernatural happens around them all the time, but they are desperately looking for the supernatural, one, and two, they have been taught to believe what their authority figures say without Mm -hmm. questions. You know, there is this obsession with uh, obedience and submission without understanding it. So as soon as you have someone like Bill Johnson saying something, they are like, yeah, it's law, it's law. And they are so- Yes, of course, of course, yes so susceptible so it's actually really serious and i mean the seriousness of it can be seen in the fact that donald trump was the president for the last four years holy motherfucking shit and also like oh no there is no also yes we are not gonna let like are we going to talk about how the far like the religious far right is the reason why donald trump was emboldened 
Yes, and- emboldened <laughs> and elected. And also like, the thing was, I was talking, um, Marcy Alvis Walker, she does the uh, white Black Coffee with White Friends blog. Okay. Um, she was like, we were both talking about just like, it should not have been this close. No, no, not at or all. It, or maybe like, you know, whether it should or should not have been, it was that close and that's unnerving. And, and the thing is 70 million people, se- we're not talking about, I mean, Colombia is a 40 million people country. 70 million people voted for this man. And of those 70 million, a big majority of them idolized him. We're not talking about reluctant votes. Like no, 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 they, they, it, he is their savior. Like yes. he is their, like he is their, their God. Right. Cause like, I, like, I, I, I just saw the Biden votes, you know, the reluctance. That I'm voting for Biden because I'm voting for the least of two evils. Like, and that, yeah. I respect that, like, totally. I didn't vote for Biden, by the way. I voted for Mark Charles because I'm in California and it didn't matter who I voted for. It was going to go to Biden. Mm-hmm. Um, but that reluctance, I get it. But it's the, I cannot wait to vote for Donald Trump. I am excited mm-hmm. to vote for, I want to mm-hmm. wear the, the merch that Donald Trump is selling. That and like, that's, a, it, and like, that's, um, I mean, someone call that idol worship, Happy. you know? And like, you know, if, I, if I'm going to like, you know, pick my end times theology, I'm like, girl, Mark of the Beast. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. I mean, if we're talking about antichrist behavior and if we're talking about the Mark of the Beast and if we're talking about Nero as the Mark of the Beast, honestly, Donald Trump embodies everything that is oppressive and everything that is antichrist. He embodies it. And to see the church buck it up gives me two thoughts. One, yay, because people are opening up their eyes. To the fact that this is toxic and abusive and people are walking away so awesome and also what the fuck for those mm-hmm. of people who are doubling down yeah that's the thing it's just i, I don't understand like how like i, I oh there's a, a couple weeks ago like my brothers and i also talk about my family on the podcast because my family doesn't listen to anything i do and so like <laughs> i never feel bad because like chances did you just say fuck me no lucky you i said lucky you. oh i thought you said fuck you i'm just like you know what you're right i am i am bragging no lucky you because i have one family member that listens to everything i do for exclusively the purpose of tearing it down so nice um yeah it's one of those things where just like sometimes i wish that they would engage with it but then other times it's like "Eh, this is kind of nice um but my um I got like a, a DM from like my brother's former best friend from a couple of years ago who said like, hey, I just saw your brother's Facebook. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I realized, oh, was I blocked? Did I, did, huh? And I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, and they basically, he showed me some screenshots, but it was like, just like very, very pro-Trump. Um, and I'm like, your last name is Garcia. You have brown cousins. <laughs> like yeah. you are, <sighs> you're I the know. worst fucking gringo I've ever met. I know. I was. It, it. It was some things. I mean, the good. So I have two sides, right? My husband's side of the family and my side of the family. And my side of the family doesn't vote in the U.S. Um, so it's a little bit different too. Mm-hmm. Um, but his side of the family is mostly Trump supporting. Uh, and some of them are like Trump, like, mm. yay, he's the best thing that has happened to us. Mm. And I don't think, and I have voiced how you are actively um, opposing. I'm an immigrant. Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm your family member. I immigrated here. I am an immigrant. His behavior mm-hmm. towards my people affects me directly. The way in which people have been so comfortable talking to me uh in mm-hmm. horrific ways in the last four years is uh it's in correlation to donald trump and you don't yeah people it. and like when you say like the way people are talking to you like people are like saying shit like go back to your country and whatnot yeah go back to your god country. fucking damn don't it speak in america we speak english i hear that a lot in america we speak english not really and shut up um <laughs> So like it's what I, it's happened with my children. So I'm at the park talking to them in Spanish and they like a woman said in America, we speak English. I'm like, shut up. Like, who are you? And what do you think you get? Like, no, here I speak Spanish. And if it bothers you, walk away. Um, 
So, because uh, it's so so mean, you know, to teach your children two languages, like the kind of parenting. Yeah, it's like them. really horrifying to teach it's them two languages. So it's not going to make them, them. If I were teaching them French, though, I'd love to see what they have to say. Um, Dead ass. Right. So yeah. Oh, you're speaking German, Swedish. That's so wonderful. It's so exotic. Uh, and they forget that Spanish is the second most spoken language in the world. You know, more than English. But what in I the and yet the language of the language of business is English. I know, I know. It doesn't fucking make- shit. Uh, I mean, yeah. like when we think about like white supremacy, like it makes perfect sense in the worst right. way. Right. When people deny white supremacy and I'm like, tell me of one airport in the world that doesn't have English, like, you know, signs. Every single one. Everywhere. Like when I was a missionary and I would travel around, you know, doing my little miniature colonizing thing. Yeah, uh, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. You know, we've repented of our sins and like, you know, 20, you know, I've got, you know, the version of Guadalupe over on my altar. So we're good now, you know. Um, But the, I was, I didn't, I never, like, first of all, all the attendants who took my, like, you know, passport always spoke English. Um, Anytime I was going around an airport, I knew where to go. And like, you know, you roll up, oh my God, there's a McDonald's in another country. Thank God I needed something of home. I know. I know. Like, oh, now I will say, like, those McDonald's in this other country actually kills compared to American McDonald's. So, like, I'm just saying, organic ketchup. I mean, my God. The the McDonald's in Colombia is actually really nice. They are clean. And they have these places called, well, the Mac Cafe. They have some Mac Cafe here, too. But the coffee is actually really good. And they are really cute little coffee shops. And you can sit down and... Kind of talk to friends. It's nothing like the McDonald's in the U.S. I don't go still because I refuse to mm. support them because we sell coffee. I mean, absolutely, sure, 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 sure. But they um, are and cool. also, yes. If I were to go to them, <laughs> I'd be like, "Good job, guys." I <laughs> yeah, man. Okay, so I know that we're running uh, close up on time because I have another. I have another podcast call at six. I'm really packing them in today, apparently. Nice. Um, but I. Uh, to uh, tell, well, first of all, like, what projects are you working on right now? What are you excited about? What are you working on and promoting? Because I just want to know what, how I can, like, support you and push all that out. Yeah. Um, well, I taught a class, a five-week class with our Bible app for the last five weeks. We just finished yesterday. So I'm looking nice. at how I could offer that for more people and in the, you know, in 2021, And it's a class on Christian hegemony and the ways in which Christianity, the toxic, really, the most toxic um, theologies and the most toxic uh, narratives of Christianity have seeped into our culture and become the normative uh, ways Mm -hmm. in which we do life and in which we engage with one another. And how it is our responsibility to resist that uh, and tear it down and to have healthier engagements, not just with divinity, but with one another you know, be, be healthier people. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on that right now, but it was a really good five, first five weeks and I'm probably going to do it in the new year. Um, and then just the work that I'm still doing, you know, with patrons and writing and challenging notions of unhealthy uh, ways in which we, you know, just mm-hmm. live and have accepted things that don't have to be acceptable anymore and challenging mm-hmm. the hegemonic, ideologies, um, challenging the ideas of sexuality and the ideas of gender and the ideas of relationships and parenting and marriage and monogamy and challenging all these things to be able to imagine heaven on earth together so that we can move towards it and we can leave a world behind that looks more like heaven for all of our descendants because that's the legacy that we're called to leave behind. That's it. That's that's the whole, the whole legacy is that. Don't leave him a house if you can't. Don't leave him land if you can't. Actually give it back. But do ensure that you leave them a world that looks closer to heaven than what we have right now. Um, so that's the work. That's the work that I do. So if you want to partner with me, all you have to do is, you know, join my Patreon or support me in whatever way you can. Listen, when we, when the world opens back up and we have vaccines, we're going on a revival tour. Come on, somebody. I, love it. I would, I would absolutely love that. Like dead ass. I think this could be really fun because like, there are so many of us out here who have this brilliant theology and these brilliant ways of doing it. And we're doing it in such a way where like, we're really like kicking down the, um, 
I mean, uh, practical theology, I got my degree in practical theology. So like, it's like practical theology wants to blow the the roof off of like what the, like theology is because it's not concerned with anything, like any sort of mental exercise. Right. It's always concerned about like, what is this doing to my experience? What is this doing to my people's experience? Right. And how, like you said, how do I bring heaven to earth? Right. Both here in my body and in my heart and to and also just like by proxy, my physical world, because I can't remain in heaven on the inside if I don't change my environment, because my environment is what affects me. Right. You know, we can like we can find peace in the storm. But guess what? We're not meant to stay in the storm. We're no. meant to heal. We're meant to get beyond it. We're meant to let go of all these structures that we think like God didn't. This is some I tell people I'm just like, listen, Jesus was not a Christian and God didn't make the church. Yeah. And it so this is the thing our accessibility to heaven is dependent on our accessibility to safe spaces. So, yes. so long as we are always in the storm, we have limited healing because, mm -hmm. like, even chemically speaking, even to the biological yes, yes, speaking, yes. even down to our cells, we will only be able to heal and move toward heaven so long as we are able to fight the storm and say, We need this storm to cease. So that mm. we can heal, because if we don't, yes. heal, we just have glimpses of heaven, and glimpses mm. of heaven are great, but I think we're kind of sick of it. Like we're like, listen, we need heaven, heaven. Like yes, are wonderful, but we just need heaven, heaven. Mm -hmm. I'm ready, heaven on earth. Let's listen, we need to end this pandemic now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen. Come forth, all of these vaccines. Shouldn't, I'm not going to do that. Um, okay, tell people on the internet where they can connect with you, find your work, support you, etc. Yeah, I'm on, it. well, I talk a lot on Instagram. Um, so it's just my name, Joe Luman, with no unders, like scores or anything. And then I talk on Twitter, and then my my patron is the same, you know, uh, slash mm. Joe Luman. So everything is just my name and pretty much all social media. I just opened a TikTok, but I don't get it. Yeah, so I, 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 I only try when, like, someone gives me a fun idea, because otherwise, yeah. like, uh, I try to get on the progressive clergy thing, and I'm just like, I'm am I clergy, though? It's like a... Do I want to be clergy? That's that's my yeah. question. Like, yeah, I that's I'm just like I was thinking because like I haven't been ordained in any sort of like tradition, technically speaking. Um, and at the same time, I'm just like, well, do I want to be ordained? Because that means I'm assenting to saying that there's somebody who can say that you can do this. You know, if I want to call myself Rev, I'll call myself Rev. But also, just like I don't want to call myself Rev because it. No, that I, I I completely hear you because I am ordained and. I have mixed feelings about that. And I, there are a lot of things that I do not like about Martin Luther, a lot. And a lot of things I do not like about John Calvin. But the priesthood of all believers is one thing I do like. And that's what I believe, mm -hmm. that we are all priests and we are all ordained, really. So- Come on. I'd rather, so you are ordained for me. I receive that, Pastor. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. Um, we'll do the- um, you know, I'll bring a long sword and we'll do it in a good Yeah. Fashion. Yeah. Bring the, bring the sword. Like I'll, um, you know, I'm totally like, let's do some blood. We'll put it in like the shape of a pentacle and then I'll hop over a broom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, go in. let's go all the way in. They will call us here Abs for good reason. Abs, listen, listen, every single Sunday, the body and blood of Christ, come on. That's that's right? the witchiest shit I've ever heard. Right? You drink like Catholics, you like transubstantiation, you believe you're literally drinking the literal, the literal like yeah. and they like, sing to the like, blood. They sing to the blood. Wash us, wash us clean. The blood, wash us clean. If you are able to look at that objectively, guys, really? Come on, friends, everybody, like pay attention to what you're saying. You're we never do. It's like I'm like, and that's also like that's not what blood do. No, <laughs> it's not what it is. with dope ass woman pastor decon deconstructionist decolonial truly just 
an OG, uh, the fantabulous Joe Lumen. Joe, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. If you like Joe and want to support her work, you can actually follow her and support her on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Joe Lumen, which is J-O-L-U-E-H-M-A-N-N. That's Joe Lumen across all social media. And be sure to follow her on TikTok too, because that shit is truly funny. Like she is She's clapping back. She's getting in there. There's a reason she's got 26,000 followers on Instagram, y'all. Truly amazing. Um, thank you so much, Joe. You're amazing. Um, so yeah, let's just go ahead and wrap up the deal. Like I said earlier, the show and the community of people we're forming in spiritual reformation, that's also part of the support network. So if you like this show and you want to support it and get more resources and plugged into community, you should come and hang out with us on Patreon. Um, because we've got a Discord channel that we're all connected to and chatting on, which is getting lit. We've got workshops, uh, the, the next one, which is uh, coming up on January 28th, 2021. That's this Thursday on the full moon. Come hang out, learn some tarot stuff, and really, like, it's going to be delightful. And that's part of the Patreon community. You can join at any level, 11 22 or $33, and you get access to a shit ton of resources, plus perks and merch and all sorts of things. So patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia, get plugged in with communities, start transforming your spiritual life and let's do this together. Okay. 169 people are already a part of it. Why not make it just an easy 200? So we'll see you in there. Patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. Can I say it anymore? Do you got it? Good. That's all I have got. So till next week, my babies, uh, you know, make sure you take your meds, call your person, uh, talk to your therapist, move your body in a way that feels good, drink some water, eat something that's delicious, and I'll see you next week. Okay. Uh, take care of yourselves out there. Breathe deeply. I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.